the Holy Spirit to guide our message and our sermon application. Please have your Bibles ready. We're going to be using them today. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to invite your Holy Spirit, which you promised to give us, Lord, so that we could understand the words we read from the Scriptures and so we could apply it to our life. This I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It was uh, one Tuesday afternoon in February 2008, 10 years ago. Starbucks, maybe you heard about this, Starbucks on this month closed all of its United States stores, every single one of them. And a note was posted on every Starbucks store, all 7,100 of them, with their doors locked, and this is what the note said. We're taking time to perfect our espresso. We're taking time to perfect our espresso. The decision was made by the chairman and CEO, Howard Schultz, after he took back the reins of the company because it had lost a little bit of its edge on the competition and it had lost a little bit of profit as well. Well, this was a radical decision. Close your stores. Wall Street couldn't believe the decision. Many customers complained, of course. They needed their caffeine kick that day, and they couldn't get it. And yet, in the end, the move proved to steer Starbucks away from troubled waters. Because for three hours, instead of selling products, 135,000 employees went through training to perfect their espresso. Now, some people who had frequented Starbucks for many years before may have thought that their espressos were good enough, but Howard Schultz desired to perfect their espresso. He felt that somehow they were lacking something, and if they only perfected their espresso, then the customer experience would be perfected as well. I think about that word and what he did. Something needed to be perfected. When something needs to be perfected, it, it brings to my mind the idea that it's missing something, it's, it's lacking something. And that's why I find it so difficult to understand the following verse that speaks about Jesus. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. When we think about this idea of being perfected, meaning there's something lacking, there's something missing, Maybe something still needs to be added. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. The beautiful sounds of the pages turning. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. We have a pew Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, you could use that or you could turn to your neighbor next to you and look over their shoulders on their Bible. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. Are you there? Yes. Amen. This is what the Bible says. For it was fitting for him... For whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, now pay attention, to make, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Did you catch it there? The Bible is telling us that it was fitting for God, the Father, to make Jesus perfect. Are you a little confused like I am? Because if something needs to be made perfect, 
then it's lacking something. It's missing something. It doesn't have something. And that's a great confusion in my mind because it's Jesus. Isn't he already perfect? Yes or no? So how do we look at this text where God still had to make Jesus perfect? In what sense did Jesus become perfect? Well, it wasn't in the moral sense because we know that morally he was perfect. Why was Jesus perfected? I think the answer is found how he is perfected and, by, and for whom he is perfected. Why he is perfected is answered by how he is perfected and for whom he's perfected. So let's read those Bible verses again and not only read verse 10, but also 11. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things and by whom, all, whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? Through sufferings. That's the how. And for whom? Verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. What I get from these verses is that Jesus is perfected through suffering for those who suffer. Jesus is perfected through suffering for those who suffer. In order to become the Messiah, the perfect Messiah, the Bible is telling us that Jesus had to do something more than just be the Messiah who died and was resurrected. The Bible is telling us for the Messiah to be complete in his mission. It had to be more than just the cross and the grave and resurrection. And throughout the country this week and next weekend, sermons will be preached about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that is the gospel, isn't it? But it is not the complete gospel. Because the Bible teaches us that for the Messiah to be perfect, to be the complete Messiah, he not only needed to die and be resurrected, but he needed also to, to suffer. To suffer. Jesus was the suffering Messiah. Jesus spoke about this before his death and resurrection. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9 and verse 22. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke chapter 9, verse 22. Sometimes I know uh, if people, uh, pastors out there, you know how when people are following your sermon because when you know, we begin the sermon, you hear a lot of pages turning. Then halfway through the sermon, there's less pages turning. So I'm hearing. Luke chapter what? Verse before his death and resurrection, Jesus spoke about himself being the suffering Messiah. Luke chapter 9, verse 22, saying, The Son of Man, what's the next word? Must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chiefs and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Here is the mission of the Messiah. It is not only to die and be resurrected, but it's to suffer, die. And be resurrected. He also spoke about this suffering after 
his death and resurrection. We find it in Luke chapter 24 and verse 25. The Bible tells us that Jesus was walking with believers who were mourning his death. But as he walked with them, he explained to them that this had to happen. Not only his death, but also his suffering. Luke chapter 24, verses 25 to 26. Are you there? Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have what? Suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Yes, as you heard the scripture read by Dr. Marty Holmes, that was one of the Old Testament scriptures that talked about the suffering Messiah. The Bible is very clear. All throughout Jesus' ministry, especially right before his crucifixion and after his resurrection, Jesus repeated the idea that he had to suffer. Luke chapter 22 verse 14 says, When the hour came at the last supper, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Before I suffer. To be the perfect Messiah for you. Jesus not only needed to die, but he also needed to suffer. The story is told of a man who was walking on a road and and he didn't see it. But there was a deep, deep hole and, and he fell into that hole and he couldn't find his way out of the hole. But a doctor came walking by. And the doctor heard the man's cries. Help, help. I'm trapped down here. The doctor looked down, said, don't worry, I got you. Pulled out his notepad, wrote a prescription, and tossed it down the hole to him and moved on. The Bible then, the story then tells us that a priest came along. And the priest comes along and hears that man shouting. And he says, Father, I'm down here in this hole. Can you help me out? The priest pauses, looks down, and says, Don't worry, I got you. Pulls out a piece of paper, starts right downing a prayer for him, and throws it down to him. There you go, and walks away. Finally, a friend walks by, and he calls out, Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend looks down at him, and what does his friend do? He jumps down with him. Now the man's really exasperated. Joe, are you dumb or something? Why did you jump down here? Now we're both in the hole. But his friend said, yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. Jesus had to do more than die. Jesus had to do more than be resurrected in order to be your Messiah for your life of suffering and pain. Jesus needed to get into that hole and be the suffering Messiah. Because the suffering Messiah, the suffering of Jesus, qualifies him to minister to our suffering and to identify with your pain. And identifying with suffering, with his suffering, frees you from the power of your suffering. Do you have suffering, friends? 
Do you have pain? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says, Therefore in all things he has, he has to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus suffered his whole life, but it was truly the last 24 hours of his life where we see his great suffering. There was things that happened to him that prepared him, that qualified him to be your Messiah, the suffering Messiah. Things that you could relate to, things that you could identify, things that when you look at his suffering will help you through your suffering. The Bible tells us that on that night of the Last Supper, he was around with the 12 men who he had poured so much into. He had poured time, he had poured love, he had poured instruction, he had poured attention, he had loved them with all he had and all he could give, and as they're seated around him, the people who he is supposed to trust and depend on, as he's sitting there, Jesus grows serious and sad. And finally, he tells everybody, the truth is, one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. And Judas, who had just had his feet touched and rubbed by Jesus, got up and left to betray Jesus. Have you ever been betrayed before, friends? Kelly was eight months pregnant. She had been married for eight years to her husband. Everything seemed to be going okay. They had their fights every once in a while, but she thought, well, most married couples do. This was their first child, and she thought, maybe this baby will bring us even closer together. Maybe this child will solve all of our problems. She had trusted her husband because she made a commitment to him, and he had made a commitment to her. And as she was one day going through his phone looking for pictures, she discovered some text messages there. Text messages that were not appropriate for a married man. Text messages that spoke about meeting together, sleeping together, being together. And as she confronted her husband with this evidence, how could you? I loved you. I poured everything into our relationship. I gave up everything to make this right. We're having a baby. We have a future. He looked at her coldly and said, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving you and the baby. And he walked out. How could Kelly, how could Kelly get through that pain of betrayal? by only looking at Jesus who died for her sins and was resurrected? No, my friends. 
The way she gets through that is by seeing that Jesus also was betrayed by someone who he loved, someone that he poured his life into, someone who he dedicated his time, someone that he committed himself to, someone who came to him late at night with a kiss on the cheek, an intimate touch, and said, goodbye forever, goodbye forever. Do you need that Jesus too? Have you been betrayed as well? Well, Jesus left the dinner and he headed up to the mount. He asked his disciples to pray with him, to watch with him. And before they went up into the mountain, he told his disciples that he would be abandoned by them, that they would leave him. Peter, always ready to speak for the group, said, Master, that will never happen. We are ready to go to prison. No, we are ready to die. We will never leave you. We will never forsake you. But as they rose up from prayer, or as Jesus rose up from prayer, and they rose up from sleep or slumber, the Bible tells us they were surrounded by soldiers. And Peter, who had said that he would never abandon Jesus, for the first time in his life, saw this Messiah who was supposed to rule Jerusalem be grabbed physically and violently by the soldiers. Maybe they hit him on the leg. Don't you think you're going to move? Maybe they threw him down on the floor and, and they handcuffed him. And so many times it seemed that they were just about to get Jesus in their past ministry. And Jesus had slipped through the crowds and they couldn't get him. And, and Peter was expecting him to do the same. But this time he saw that Jesus was really being arrested. Jesus was really being grabbed and thrown. And at that moment, he took a step back, two steps back. He looked at the road, he looked at Jesus, and he said, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. And he takes off running. And the disciples probably look at Peter and say, if he's taking off running, then I'm out of here. And Jesus, in his moment of greatest need, looks around for his friends, and who does he see? No one. No one, no one. Michael is a high school student, and uh, Michael has a lot of Facebook friends and a lot of friends that he hangs out with. They go out and hang out at the park, at the mall, but all of a sudden, he discovers when his parents sit him down one day that there's going to be a divorce in their family. Mom and dad no longer can live together, be together, and he's going to have to choose which home to live in at 15 years of age. And with his pain and with his suffering and his moments of greatest trial in his life, he runs to his friends the ones that he has talked about music with, clothes with, movies with girlfriends with, and he runs to them because he needs them at that moment. And as he comes to the group of friends, he starts opening up that I'm hurting, 
my parents are getting divorced. And they take look, one look at him and say, that's your problem, not ours. And they walk away because they don't want to deal with the real issues of life. And there he is, by himself, alone in his suffering. Do you think the story of Jesus could relate to him? Have you been abandoned? Has someone left you that was supposed to be there in your hardest moments, in your most difficult times? Maybe a friend, maybe a mother, maybe a father, maybe a spouse, someone that was supposed to encourage you and help you. They left you, they abandoned you, and you're suffering because of that abandonment. And Jesus says, I have been there too. I have been there too. Matthew chapter 26 tells us that when Peter was asked about Jesus, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. Then the second time he said, I don't even know the man. And then the third time he said, I swear by God, I don't know that man. Have you ever been abandoned to the point that people say, I don't know that person anymore. We haven't talked in a long time. Have you been left alone? Well, Jesus was arrested and this is a hard part to talk about because we don't think about it. But as they took him through the trials, he was stripped naked and he was physically violated. He was stripped naked in front of everybody. And the Jews had a limit to how many times a person could be whipped. Do you remember how many times that was? 40 minus 1, right? The Romans had no limits. And the whips that they had were not just whips to hit you. They were whips to tear you apart. They had hooks. They had glass. They had things that when it hit you, it grabbed on, and the person had to pull back. The Old Testament tells us that Jesus was so marred that his humanity couldn't even be seen after he was tortured. Because the hooks would, would rip off your flesh, sometimes even all the way to the bone where it'd catch bone and rip bone and flesh and everything off. Maybe it caught him once in the face, maybe it caught him once in the shoulder, maybe once in the gut, maybe once in the legs. His body was just being torn apart, and he's there naked by himself. And I think about Christians in Syria today, who they believe in Jesus. And many of them are starving to death because they're Christians. Many of them are being executed because of their beliefs. Many of them are going through physical pain. Many of them are physically violated. Women are abducted and violated. People are humiliated. People are hurt. And when those people are suffering in the countries of persecution for their belief in Christ, when they look at the Bible, they need more than just a dying and resurrected Messiah. They need a suffering Messiah that they could identify with and know that he too has walked that road and know that he too 
has suffered as you suffered. What about you, friend? Have you been physically violated? Have you been hurt by someone? Have you been hit by someone? Have you been verbally abused like Jesus? Have you been put down by others like Jesus was? The Bible tells us that he was betrayed. The Bible tells us that he was abandoned. The Bible tells us that he was stripped naked. The Bible tells us he was physically violated, that he was shamed, that he was verbally and mentally abused, and that he was even tempted to numb the pain as he was hanging on the cross, and they offered him the vinegar and the wine to numb his pain. And don't you know that temptation too? When you're going through your suffering, when you're going through your pain, it's so easy to try to numb it. It's so easy to try to maybe take something like a bottle, a drug, maybe a person to try to alleviate the pain and numb what you're going through. The Bible tells us that he was rejected and forsaken, and he even felt as if God himself had left him. Why did Jesus have to become the suffering Messiah? Because he was willing he was not willing to let us suffer by ourselves, and he wanted to offer us supernatural strength so that when we're tempted to carry the pain alone, we will look to him and his suffering and know that he too can carry us through our suffering. And also to teach us how to relate to the Heavenly Father when we feel forsaken by God. You know, there are moments in our suffering when God says no to us. There are moments when God does not take away our suffering. And he, Jesus wants us to know that he has been there so that we can feel free to trust him with our questions, doubts, and confusion. And we learn to submit and trust God while we're suffering. At the end of time, the parable is told. At the end of time, there were billions of people scattered on the great plain before God's throne. Most shrank back from the brilliant light from God. But some group near the front started to talk heatedly, not cringing with shame, but they were belligerent. And they said, how can God judge us? How can he know about suffering? Snapped a brunette in the front row. She ripped open her sleeve and she revealed a tattoo from a Nazi concentration camp. She said, we endure terror, beatings, torture, death. In another group, an African-American boy lowered his collar. What about this, he demanded, showing an ugly rope burn. I was lynched for no crime but being black. In another crowd, a pregnant schoolgirl with sullen eyes. Why should I suffer, she murmured. It wasn't my fault. And far across the plain, there were hundreds of people in such groups. Each had a complaint against God, and they complained about the suffering he had permitted in this world. How lucky God was to live in heaven where there was all sweetness and light, where there was no weeping or fear, there was no hunger or hatred. What did God know of all that man had been forced to endure in this world? 
For God lived a pretty sheltered life, they said. So each of these groups sent forth their leader, chosen because he or she had suffered the most. A Jew, an African-American, a person from Hiroshima, a horribly deformed arthritic. And in the center of the plain, they all consulted with each other. And at last, they were ready to present their case. And it was rather clever. Before God could be qualified to judge them, he must endure what they had endured. Their decision was that God should be sentenced to live on earth as a man. They thought, what's the worst we could sentence him to be? Let him be born a Jew. Let the legitimacy of his birth be doubted. Give him a work so difficult that even his family will think him out of his mind when he tries to do it. Let him be betrayed by his closest friends. Let him face false charges. Be tried by a prejudiced jury and convicted by a cowardly judge. Let him be tortured over and over. And last, let him see what it's like to be terribly alone. And then let him die. Let him die so that there's no doubt that he died, and let there be a great host of witnesses to verify that he died. At last, each leader announced the portion of his sentence, but then there was a long silence, and no one uttered another word. No one moved, for suddenly all knew that God had already served his sentence. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Are you suffering this morning, friends? Have you felt abandoned, alone, betrayed? Have you been physically violated? Have you been verbally abused? Have you been ashamed? Do you feel that you have been even forsaken by God? That's why Jesus had to come and suffer. And as a pastor, I cannot promise you peace and prosperity only. I cannot promise you in this world that you will not suffer. But what I can promise you is that someone has jumped in the hole with you who has already been there before. And through their supernatural strength, they, he will get you through your suffering. He will help you to also walk the path that he has walked to everlasting glory. I was just a teenager when I really experienced knowing the pain of suffering. It was in high school when I found out that one of my closest friends, a girl, as a freshman, had been raped by a senior in high school. And what hurt me the most in her story was that he had told her that he was taking her to church that day for a youth group. Not a Seventh-day Adventist church, but, you know, it still happens even in our church. And he drove her to the church, which was empty, and in the parking lot proceeded to 
violate her. When I met her, it was about two or three years later, she had hidden that pain deep within her heart, but it started to overflow. There were moments that we would hang out that she would just scream and cry, not as if someone was literally hitting her, punching her, pinching her. There was a suffering because she had been violated. And at that time, I didn't have the answer of how to help her through those moments. I was just a teenager myself. But I invited her to go to church with me. That was difficult, wasn't it, for her? But she did go because for some reason, some reason, the only person that she felt understood or knew what she was going through was not another teenager, but what this person called Jesus. And as she started to study the Bible, she discovered that Jesus knew her suffering because he too had suffered. And I could tell you that her past was not erased, her experiences were not forgotten, but I saw the healing that happened when you hold the hand of the person who has suffered the most in this universe to the highest degree, and you walk hand in hand with that person who suffered. She was strengthened to endure through her pain. That's why Jesus became perfect when he suffered. So this morning, who wants a perfect Jesus? A Jesus who suffered for you, who died for you, and is resurrected for you because you also have suffered. You also have been crucified to your old life of sin, and you too have been born again to the newness of life. That is the gospel story. Jesus came to suffer and die to get rid of our sin and to get rid of our suffering. And so all the heads are bowed and all eyes are closed because this morning someone has been carrying a pain for a day or many years. Maybe it's the pain of relationships. Maybe it's the pain of the past. Maybe it's the pain of abandonment or feeling alone. Maybe it's the pain of physically being violated. Maybe it's the pain of feeling forsaken and alone by your closest associates. And today you have looked upon Jesus not only on the cross, but you have looked upon the sufferings of Jesus and realized that you want to invite him into your dark hole with you because he will bring his experience to get you out of that hole of suffering, to lift you above the pain that is holding you captive in your spiritual walk with him. And so the question and the action is simple. If you're suffering, if you have pain, and you want Jesus, who has suffered and has pain, to jump in that hole with you and help you get out, would you lift your hand and say, Lord, that is my experience. I have pain and suffering, and I need your help. 
because you're not only the resurrected Messiah, you're the suffering Messiah, and I am suffering. Would you raise your hand to Jesus at this moment and say, I identify with your pain, Jesus. I need your healing. I need not only your forgiveness, but I need your healing from the suffering that I endure. Jesus, our hands are lifted because we, as the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, 11, we are like you. We are made brothers with you through your suffering. And in this world, we all will suffer. But Father, we don't want to suffer alone. We want to suffer with your son, Jesus, because he will give us a supernatural strength to endure until that time comes when you will wipe away every tear, when you will wipe away every pain and suffering. We can't wait for that day, but until that day, be with us in my hole, in their holes, and get us out. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and thank you for suffering for us. Amen.